You're listening to Movers and Shakers, a podcast about living with Parkinson's. The show is generously sponsored by Boardwave, an exclusive European networking community for software CEOs. Boardwave is a passionate supporter of Cure Parkinson's. For more details on the charity's progress around research and its fundraising, please visit cureparkinson's.org.uk. Welcome to the first in a new series of Movers and Shakers, the podcast about living with Parkinson's. I'm Rory Catlin Jones. We're back in the pub for another laugh and a moan. Let's see who's turned up. I'm Jeremy Paxman and I'm fed up. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Mostyn and I'm not fed up. Paul Mayhew Archer and I'm delighted to be back. Gillian Lacey Solomar and I'm a bit hot. I'm Mum Model and I've had a hell of a journey getting here, but I'm delighted to be here. And you're wearing the most extraordinary T-shirt. I mean, this is, it is sad that this is audio rather than video, but it's just describe the T-shirt. Well, I'm, I'm wearing it, so I can't see it, but it's The Clash, and it says The Guns of Brixton, South London, which is uh, one of their best tunes. Mark looks like he's just come from a festival. Now, this episode is about technology and Parkinson's. Yes, they've finally let me have my way, but the timing's a little unfortunate coming just a week or so after we suffered a tech failure of monstrous proportions. Who wants to explain what happened at our live event in Middle Temple the other night? Uh, Mark, what, what happened? Well, I think we lost the kingdom for want of a nail, really, because we had the glorious venue set up by Sir Nick, historic hall, historic uh, hammer ceiling, the venue where they, was it as, as you like it was first no, performed? No, Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night was first performed. First performed, yeah. Marvellous, marvellous venue. Marvellous atmosphere, great drinks party. And then the sound and then we started failed. And the audio failed. The audio failed. The mics ah. didn't seem to work. I think the uh, guys who were meant to be helping us had buggered off home. And the back, the speakers at the back of the hall failed altogether after five minutes. So half of the people in the hall then had to try and move forward. The audio for the live stream didn't work at all. My brother, who was listening, said it sounded as if people were at the bottom of the swimming pool. And it was, as you say, it was... Apart from that, it was a great night. But... I mean, it was seriously however, a great night. But can I just say that that is a wonderful example of what it's like living with Parkinson's <laughs> and you lose your voice. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, yeah, we are all at the bottom of the swimming pool. Yeah, in a very real sense. Yeah. For those yeah. who were there, and once we moved everybody forward, we were able to have a discussion. It was a bit awkward because microphones had to be held almost touching your lips, but we were able to have the discussion and people did express some appreciation. But... I just. Well, put, I, th- I think we can say we were at our scintillating, most exciting. Yeah, so we, we're going to reproduce that in this. Best. That was, that's the best. That's yeah. the best <laughs> we aspire to, is it? Well, no, because we, nobody knows what it was like, so we can claim to be. Yeah. Oh, we can claim to be, yes. Well, so, 300 people know what it was so that's, like. So that's set a standard for, for, for today, which is going to be the first episode as opposed to that. But before we get down to the nuts and bolts of, uh, of technology, let's catch up with what's happened over the summer. Gillian... What did you you do over the summer? What it's did something I do? incredibly creative. Oh, aren't you lovely? <laughs> I did do something incredibly well. I hope incredibly creative. We'll see. It was to put on a musical which I'd written. You'll be glad to hear I didn't do the music for it because I'm very unmusical. But I did what's called the book and the lyrics called Irrepressible about a lady called Emma Hamilton who was Nelson's lover, but we only know her as Nelson's lover, and she was so much more than that. She was absolutely irrepressible, which was the title of the thing. Dad made one film in his life. He made lots of TV things. He made one film called A Bequest of the Nation about Lady Hamilton and Nelson. Oh, really? So, yeah. 
Oh. It's obviously. Can we read about your dad anywhere by any chance? There is a book. Well, we'll come to that in a moment. Lots of nice reviews. Audience loved it, cried at the right time, laughed at the right time, hope to get it to London. And the Parkinson's connection is that. Oh, the the flowering of crea creativity. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it was all started after I started on these uh, dopamine agonists, which are supposed to give you a creativity boost. Most of it was written between two and four in the morning, and it just kind of pops out of my head. And Judge, what have you been doing? You, uh, is, it, is it true that we no longer have to be as respectful as we have been in the past because you are no longer a judge? <laughs> a nation mourns because on the 28th of July, I, I did, heard my last case. And I've walked out of court 50 and I will not be sitting in court again. I've, and I have retired. Was there a little uh, tear as you well, walked out? Well, it's, it's been a very strange feeling because I did my first case on the 9th of June, 1981, 43 years ago. And I've been doing and thinking about cases every single day ever since until the 28th of July when it stopped. And this is a phase of my life without having cases in it. It's completely novel for me. So as I How say, does it, feel? it feels good, actually, because cases do, are worrying. And I don't have to worry anymore. And you can speak your mind now. The I Lord can. Chief Justice is not listening anymore. I, I, can, I, can, I can speak my mind. Yes, retirement has been the big thing for me. And, um, you know, I've organised my life. I've signed certain documents like lasting powers of attorney, which we'll talk about on another occasion when we will definitely have an episode about that sort of, those sort of arrangements that we have to make for ourselves. But um, I'm looking forward to um, a life. When my father goes to the, he's still with us, and he goes to the barber, they say, are you going on holiday? And he says, I'm permanently on holiday. And that's going to be my attitude from now on. Jeremy, are you permanently on holiday? How's your summer been? My summer was absolutely useless. I was going to go to a ranch in Colorado, and my specialist said, seven hours by road to the nearest hospital. doesn't sound like it's a very good idea to me. <laughs> what a spoil sport. That's what I said, too. So you've got to be within a certain distance of a hospital if you've got Parkinson's. That I think was his so, message. Yes. Yeah. So how did you fill the time? Well, I haven't filled it. I've been on a staycation, I think. I just, I've just been in the pub quite a lot. Oh, well, this, this is actually a, a very good activity, a very good activity. Paul, you've been on tour, is that right? I've sort of been on tour doing my um, one-man show and uh, I, just go, I go around the country to, to gr local groups they get the audience, I hope, and uh, I do the show for nothing. They charge and they keep the money. And so far, I think I'm nearly up to about £100,000. Well done. It's very exciting. And if you, if you hear that Paul is coming to your area with his show, get down there fast because it is, it's a brilliant show. Ah, oh, thank you very much indeed. Can I just share with you one other thing that's happened very recently? My wife tries to stop me eating milk chocolate because she says it's not good for me with the Parkinson's and I try and sneak it into the house when she's not looking. And the other night she was uh, asleep in the living room and I thought I won't wake her up, but I'll go up to the bedroom and I'll have my packet of whisper bites in bed uh. as a great thrill. So I was lying in bed having my whisper bites and unfortunately, because of Parkinson's, I dozed off. And when I woke up two hours later, well, it, there was bits of melted chocolate. or It looked like I was in the middle of a dirty protest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and instead of saying to Julie what had actually happened, I was too embarrassed to say that I'd been eating chocolate. So I pretended to her 
that I had in fact defecated in the bed. <laughs> oh my God, it's a bit early for that. Were we not going to save this for the, the embarrassing side of Parkinson's, which is the episode yeah, you want yeah, to yeah. do? <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to share it with you anyway. This is strange. That really has made my afternoon. <laughs> Well, I've, as Gillian has also been already suggested, I've been plugging my book, Ruskin Park, available at all good bookshops, but not on Amazon at the moment because they've run out because demand has been so high. Oh, um, that's marvellous. Yes. But I've also been keeping an eye on the Parkinson's news. Um, so a couple of things have happened. There's been uh, a new test. Well, it's been shown that you could detect Parkinson's early via an eye scan. Anyone see that story? Yeah, I did, and um, I'm... Actually taking part in some of the trials. Ah, you see, we're at the cutting edge. And the other thing is encouraging, slightly frustrating, but encouraging news of, of, of trials of the first drugs that might actually do something to the disease rather than just mask the symptoms. One of them, which is still going on, is a drug called Exenatide. And, and Mark, you've actually got hold of some Exenatide. You're not on the trial, but you've got some... No, because I'm also, I have what they horribly call comorbidities. In other words, I'm a diabetic as well. Because it's a diabetic drug. Yeah, and and with our episode with uh, Cure Parkinson's, you might have heard me gulp if you were a close listener when they said how it was worse for diabetics. But also they said about this was a diabetic drug that was useful. So I checked with my GP that it was all right to switch from what I was on to this. And it does seem to be making some sort of difference. But the bad news is... She rang me up and said that they're running out because the, there's a the, shortage, the, worldwide well, shortage. Well, not just that, the drugs company doesn't want to make it anymore because it's not one of the top diabetes drugs. But they've got a drug which is, uh, maybe it isn't as good for diabetes as others, but it is good for diabetes. It's a slimming drug, apparently, and it's good for Parkinson's. So why wouldn't they want to make it? Yeah, it's the whole frustrating side of the clinical Sorry. trials. Can't someone else make it then? They probably will, but it's 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 not a kind of just-in-time industry. You think it's a fantastically efficient, money-grabbing industry, big pharma, but actually quite often it's it's a bit chaotic. And do you know where this drug originally comes from? Go on. It's synthetic, but it's made from the molecule or a, a replica of a, the healer. Monster, which is a South American lizard. Ah, that old lizard so again. You're, you're having essence of lizard. Yeah. yeah. Right, well, I think that's our news for the summer. Let's get down to, to, to gadgets, which is my specialist subject. I'm wearing a few right now. I'm wearing five different sensors, one on each arm, one on each leg, and one around my middle. That's one thing. I'm wearing something called the Q1. I don't know if you can hear it. It's like a yo-yo with a buzzer in it, and it's supposed to be improving my gait it's one of the the most popular gadgets and i've also got some spectacles which again are supposed to um, they're supposed to help me walk straight i don't know if anybody wants to try mark have they Uh, helped they look like aviator shades i've i've got to say i'm quite quite skeptical about about some of this but let's go around and, and see what anybody else judge i think you, you've come with a rather ostentatious ring on your finger. What's that about? I have, it's a gold ring. It's called an Aura ring, and it comes from Holland, I think. And it was recommended to me by my daughter. It works a bit like a Fitbit, but it, and it records your activities during the day, I mean, how many calories you've done, steps and all that sort of stuff. But it also, for my purposes, which is significant for me, it records how I've been sleeping. Now, I've only had it for two nights, but it's been very interesting. So it showed I've slept much less than I thought. I've woken up far more often than I thought. 
and that I've had deep sleep very, very rarely. So for example, last night I had deep sleep for three minutes. So um, it, it, it is definitely analyzing that area of which is uh, particularly aggravating for me with my condition. Well, that's well, it's showing you something anyway. Yeah. That, but that, do you think it's accurate though? How can you say, I well, mean, my uh, good wife doesn't think it's accurate, but um, anyhow, so I bought this ring. The other thing I would say about this ring is that I paid $400 to buy it. And then I, when it was being arrived, they asked for another 90, 90 pounds in board duty. I thought you said your daughter gave it to you. No, she gave me the idea. Uh, <laughs> so 90 pounds import duty. Did you know that you had to pay it, think, import duty on things from Holland now? Did you know that, Jeremy? Is that, I didn't know that. Are, no. you, are you going to go on no, about... Just saying that people voted for that, but I'm sure there's... <laughs> I'm sure there's a good reason for it, but I'm... Tell I'm, us about <laughs> standing naked in the middle of the night. Uh, <laughs> yes, there has been another episode. Same Brexit. There has been another episode, but we'll, we might talk about that another occasion when I was found sleepwalking stark naked in our home, ranting about Brexit. Yeah. Uh, was this before you got Parkinson's? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I measure my sleep too using my, I've got an, uh, an Apple Watch and if I remember to charge it because the, the damn thing needs charging once a day. And I found the opposite from you because I, I often get up in the morning and say I haven't slept a wink and it tells me that I have got about four hours when I think I've done nothing. So it's quite illuminating. I mean, there are a lot of smart watches and, and other gadgets. Anybody else use use any of these gadgets? Well, I don't, but interestingly enough, my, well, I think interestingly enough, and my sister-in-law, who's had several strokes, was showing me her results from her sleep, and it was the same as yours, Nick, that she was actually awake far more often than she yes. thought she was. She, did, she thought that she'd slept through for large periods, but there were big spikes of it being awake. It is interesting, isn't it? Would you be interested in knowing how you sleep, Jeremy, or are you satisfied you sleep? I'm not the slightest bit interested, Pete. You sleep sort of, well. You are very annoying. Of, you sleep well. It's the sort of thing that people get fixated about. There, there's some truth. Sleep. There's some truth in well, that. Well, you do if you wake all night. I've I had an email about something else, uh, something called the Strolly, a headset that uses augmented reality. Hi, Rory. Just wondering if you've come across Strolly. This is a woman called Sylvia. who says she's 73, diagnosed in December 2020. It's a fascinating piece of equipment designed to help parky people with mobility, balance, and cognitive issues using augmented reality. My thoughts so far are that it's great fun. It's also helping me, helping me to improve my cognition. It seems to be basically a games console in a, in a headset, which I think I must, uh, I must try. I love using this equipment and feel that it helps me a great deal. In a moment, we're going to be talking to David Dexter from Parkinson's UK, who's got an overview of this, of all these different kinds of gadgets. But first of all, I want to talk about the tech I'm wearing that I mentioned, that, which is it's from a company called... PD Monitor and Becky Duong from the firm is here. Becky, you're a neuro uh, a neurophysiotherapist. Did I get the name of the company right? Or, uh, so the, yeah, the company is called PD Neurotechnology, and the device itself is called PD Monitor. What is it doing? So the five sensors that you're wearing, so two on each wrist, two on the ankle, and one on the torso, it's collecting your motor symptoms. So the device inside picks up your bradykinesia, your dyskinesia, your on and off symptoms, as well as your tremor. So it gives an idea for your consultant or your Parkinson's nurse how you're responding to your medication, what time are your symptoms, and it gives both yourself and the team 
information to inform how do you manage your Parkinson's? Yeah, because I mean, the, the extraordinary thing, I think we've all found this is we see our docs every few months. They say, how has it been? And we go, oh, don't know, really. And they make us walk up and down the corridor and, and it's not very scientific. No, it's just it? a snapshot always, isn't it? By definition. Yeah, I think I, we yeah. completely agree with that, that in that snapshot as well, you're not acting your most natural. So it might be that people like to overperform, underperform while they're with their consultant or their nurse. And actually, because they wear the devices for kind of three to five days, it's much more accurate in terms of your natural movements. Because you're wearing it at home, you could also take it outside of the home. But because it's worn on for many hours through the day, we're picking up your natural symptoms. The first time I wore this, because I've worn this twice, you produce this extraordinary report with all sorts of colourful charts. Explain what that told you. Yeah, so we break it down into half an hour periods. So we produce a little uh, heat map, we call it, of when you're on and when you're off. And it summarises those kind of peak times of when you're starting to develop quite more severe symptoms, as well as the times of what your medication are. So you can see, according to the time that you're taking to your medication, whether you're starting to become off and whether you're responding to the medication and you're starting to turn on. So over those three to five days or a week that you've worn it, you're able to kind of guess within specific times, how are you actually responding to your medication? Or is it that there's something in your diet that is affecting your on and off symptoms? And that's what we saw in yours. <laughs> yeah, what he showed, there was, a, there was a puzzling kind of dip on a Sunday morning where I was not in a good way. And I thought, what's happening there? And then I remembered that every Sunday I cook a big fry up, bacon and eggs. Gillian, what does bacon and eggs do to you? I haven't had bacon and eggs for years. Very thought of it. I just love it, but just can't have it. No eggs, no eggs. And why? Because it stops my drugs being absorbed. It's as though I hadn't taken drugs at all. This is very much at the experimental stage, isn't it? But my doctor, Dr. Yen Tai at uh, Charing Cross, who's a, a very technology-minded doc, which is great for me, he's plugged into this. He got this report and I had just gone on a new drug and we discussed it and it, he's, it looked like the new drug was working pretty well. So it gave us a way of deciding whether to up the dose or not. So, I mean, there, there's a great need amongst us I think to, to know what's happening there well, is. With, the, with the technology how long does it take you to put it on this is the pain every morning I have to strap on these five devices it's, it's not that, that complicated it's just a bit of a, a velcro strap but it's something else to do I have to take them off at night and plug them into this unit which beams them to the cloud. And last night, the dog happened to be sleeping in the front room and was most disturbed by my suddenly coming in and plugging in sensors and disappeared with a huff. So it is a bit of a pain, but it's worth it if you... And do you have to do it at the same time every day? I don't think... I just do it when I get up and when I go to bed. And does it matter if you miss a couple of days or...? Well, Becky, you tell us. Yeah, so it's best that you have a continuous monitoring period. So we like to, for you to use it for kind of those five days continuously because it's easier to see a pattern through those days. So you can have separate recording periods. So, for example, if you wanted to take a base and you wear it for that week, you wait a couple of weeks if you have a change of medication and then you can wear it again after you've changed the medication. So you can see the difference if whether that's helped or whether that hasn't and again it will give you better decisions from it and and how do you find 
the people who are going to take part in this? People have been very enthusiastic. So, you know, there's been a lot of Parkinson's patients that wanted to be a lot better informed. There's a lot of Parkinson's patients who feel like they don't see their consultants or nurses enough. And this is a way of actually getting a message to them. So in terms of your earlier question where you said, you know, do the consultants and nurses have to be involved? Yes, they do. But the great news is that because they generate a report, what is quite common is if your consultants have a meeting and within that meeting they talk about a lot of Parkinson's patients. So Your consultants. Your consultants. Can I raise the, <clears throat> I mentioned this in the Middle Temple, the Parkinson's iceberg. I don't know if you've heard of the Parkinson's iceberg, but the Parkinson's iceberg is a metaphor for what is visible in Parkinson's. Only a small part of the symptoms of Parkinson's are visible, like an iceberg above the waterline. So they're the things that your devices are monitoring, tremor, rigidity, bradykinesia, postural disturbance. But the great majority of Parkinson's symptoms are invisible below the waterline, including things like the embarrassing things that Paul is going to talk about, <laughs> uh, sleep issues, mood issues, thinking issues, gastrointestinal issues. Apart from sleep, are there any ways of monitoring those? This only monitors your motor symptoms. But the great news about it is that in your appointments, because you're getting an objective monitor, it actually makes it a lot more efficient to explain your symptoms. So actually you could spend that extra time that you've talking saved about talking your about your non-motor. Okay. Nope. Yeah. Can I have a quick plug here for my husband who's working yeah. on a device which will monitor on a non-invasive basis how much dopamine is in your system. Levodopa is in your system. Oh really? Yeah. You must talk to him about it but it's, it's a long way from being ready. Yeah. yeah. I mean a lot of this uh, is, is yeah. this system is, is still at a very early stage in terms of commercialisation isn't it? Or- well I think the great news is that earlier this year we had conditional approval from the NICE diagnostic guidelines to say that the Parkinson's monitor can be used within NHS trusts. Oh, that's yeah. good news. It should be said that other devices are available. There are lots of smart watches that are, are being used in, in trials to measure these things. And there are, there are apps on the Apple Watch and so on. But this, this is a kind of, it's not pretty. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want this as jewellery. They're kind of ugly things to wear, but it, it seems to be quite accurate. Becky, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's get an overview of all these different technologies. We've got David Dexter, who's head of research at Parkinson's UK. Hello, David. Hi there, Rory. Is there much useful tech out there? It's a confusing picture. As we've heard around the table today, we don't know what works and what does work. And so we're starting a new platform at Parkinson's UK called Park Tech. So this is setting up at the moment. So it will be technology that's reviewed by people with Parkinson's for people with Parkinson's. So you've talked about the glasses. You know, we'll put them into a panel of people to test them and then we'll write reports on them. So it'd be almost like a witch for technology so you'll be able to know what technology is actually useful there is a a confusing array but there is some technology that could potentially also affect clinical trials as well you know you've got those wearable devices that you've got on you at the moment and the potential there is to actually improve clinical trials as well in what way so at the moment as you know all of you around the table some days you wake up and you're feeling fine Other days, you're having a a few more problems. But if that day when you're having a few more problems is the day when you go in and see the neurologist when they're doing the clinical trials tests every two or three months, you know, it causes a lot of noise in the data. 
There was a drug which was tested by Roche called Prasinumab. It was an antibody-based therapy. And they had the standard clinical assessments every two months. And they had people doing tests on their wearable device every day. Ah. So it smooths out that response. That so, bad day. Yeah. So if you, if you look at the data from the digital, you can see that the treatment was having a clear effect. But it was having an effect clinically, but there was so much variability in the data, you couldn't really see a significant effect. So the idea is that these digital devices would be useful in clinical trials if we can get them approved. Now, the sad news is Roche have now got to do another phase two study, a longer study. So it's probably delaying you know, that drug going into phase three. I mean, we've gone through this issue time and again, but clinical trials are a bit of a nightmare with Parkinson's. They seem to drag on for, forever. Well, that's it. It's the beauty, again, of the digital devices because they're so much more sensitive you can technically run the trials for shorter periods of time and also with fewer patients. We just need to get them approved so that you can use them as a primary outcome measure in clinical trials. Should there be less caution about technological devices than drugs? You've got to get them through the regulators. So the regulators, you know, in this country, it's the MHRA. And, and the MHRA is apparently a shambles at the moment, people tell me. <laughs> he laughs nervously. It's not doing its best, shall I say. You know, even getting trials approved at the moment is very slow. And also, I spoke to the government you know, earlier on this week about trying to accelerate the approval of digital devices into clinical trials. So there's potential there for the MHRA, but there needs to be probably put more money into it. Do you, do you find it easy to find people to take part in all these studies? And Unfortunately, no. So there are several trials that we're funding at the moment. Two of them are to treat a, a real problem side effect called hallucinations. You know, these trials are still struggling to recruit people. Why do you think that is? I think it's partly because that there is a... A slight mistrust about exactly what happens in clinical trials. A lot of people also think that they need to be referred by their neurologist to go into a trial. And as you know, that you might see them every year, so it's a small chance that you might get referred into a trial. But, you know, on our Parkinson's UK website, it lists all the trials. We've got the Tate Part Hub. You just simply put in your postcode and it will tell you all the trials and things happening in your area. So you can self refer yourself into these trials And as well. do you come and talk about the trials to local groups or...? Yes, I was in Gloucester Branch yesterday. So I was and did you get much them. take up as a result of that? There was a lot more interest because people are still not fully aware about exactly what's going mm. on and how many trials are out there. So what we try to do, and I try and go and speak to as many groups as possible to really tell them what trials are running. I understand that Professor Chowdhury is developing an app which will work on an ordinary iPhone or on a, an Android, which will allow a Parkinson's sufferer to record their symptoms contemporaneously. So if you've gone off for one reason, you, there will be a prescribed way of putting it into the app. If you've had a terrible night, you put it into the app. If you've fallen over, you put it into the app. If you've had embarrassing, you'll probably need to be, <laughs> we'll probably have to use you for guinea pig for this, put it into the app, which will mean that the data will be contemporaneous and it will also mean 
that the consultation with the neurologist, the consultant, will mean that the, you'll be much quicker and so you will be able to see him more often. But hang on, Nick, is that something that we have to do? Because, you know, apathy, et cetera, et cetera, and how often are we going to put data into an app? But if you, if you knew that the consequence would be that you would be able to see your consultant more often because he wouldn't have to be spending an inordinate amount of time discussing your symptoms, which might be up to a year old, yeah, we're also testing an app like that, but mainly for the non-motor symptoms. But also it will give you advice on how to mitigate them or it will flag up to the clinician that this is a, a potentially you know, real problem symptom, say if it was hallucinations. So it will not only give you self-help management sort of advice, but it will also flag up to the conditions. And it might be the same app that's currently under test. So, David, what we've talked about so far is one set of tech, which is basically measuring. Then there is a whole range of devices which claim to actually ameliorate your symptoms, like this Q1 thing that I'm wearing, this buzzer, and like the thing that Jeremy is now wearing, which is kind of terrifying, which is a pair of smart glasses called the Strayed AR, which is, it produces a white line, and you're, when you're walking, you're supposed to, you know, look at the white line, it's supposed to make, make it work better. Does it, it work? It, it, well, I've got to say, brutally... None of these devices have worked for me. It's a whole theory, isn't there, called queuing. Tell yeah. us about that. Queuing is, is so we, we are testing a, a, another device, which is a cure, but this is specifically for drooling. Um, so drooling is a big unmet need. There are drugs to treat it, but it dries up. Uh, the saliva makes it difficult to, to actually swallow tablets. And it's not that, you know, you produce more saliva, it's you swallow less frequently. And so this queuing device just simply acts as a reminder for you every now and again while you're sitting here talking to me to swallow. So the thing that I'm wearing, the Q1, is, is probably the most popular or, or most publicised device. It's supposed to help you walk better by emitting a kind of throbbing rhythm and you get into that rhythm and you walk better. I've got to say, it hasn't really worked for me. Some people are really enthusiastic about it. I spoke to a, a gentleman this morning who'd just got it and said, well, mobility was his main issue. And he had a spring in his step after using this for a while. But he admitted that it might be a sort of placebo effect. Well, this is what we need to do. We need to run those real solid trials with these devices. And that's what we're aiming to do. We do have grants at Parkinson's UK to test these. But you need to have a, a placebo control. You need to have people wearing them, you know, so you can actually take away that placebo effect. And we need to just get the studies because these devices are expensive and people could be, you know, forking out money for these devices and they have no benefit. So we really need to test their claims out in a proper way. That's a perfectly, I mean, it seems to be a, a good company and one doesn't know whether it works or not. But there are some things that frankly look like cons lots of money for a piece of plastic. But the thing is, queuing has had quite positive effects. So if you think about, you know, people marching to music, you know, marching to a sound of a metronome, that's a form of queuing, but it takes you out of what I call automatic pilot. One thing which I think a lot of us use, I, I use, I don't know if anybody else does, is just a simple app which reminds you when to take your pills. Four times a day, it buzzes at me and says, take your pills. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. There are some very useful gadgets out there but we need to sort out the good from the bad to take you out of that automatic pilot phase of your walking. When you're going downstairs, that's quite a dangerous thing. You don't want to fall over. You know, most people might hesitate to the top of the stairs, but 
you know, gradually, you know, most people with Parkinson's can walk down stairs quite well. But it's when you're walking around on automatic pilot that your Parkinson's has your biggest impact. And a lot of these queuing devices are trying to take you out of that framework of walking on automatic pilot. And you're saying you can do that yourself, presumably. Yeah, you can just you know, put, put yeah. headphones on with loud I do a lot marching. Of marching yeah. yeah, or you can walk with a slightly different gait, you know, deliberately. Some people call it funny walks and things. Yeah. And and in terms of taking part in technological sort of exercises and things like that and research, where should people go on the Parkinson's UK website to find out what they can take part in? Yeah, so the Take Part Hub is the main bit. And you can put your postcode in and it will tell you everything that's happening in your area. So there are drug trials. There are researchers looking for surveys to learn about how Parkinson's affects people. And also there are device testing as well. So there is something for everybody. So you can just put your postcode in. And when you you said you you come to the, the meetings, local group meetings, are there people who've been through these trials as well? who could come and talk to people and put their minds at rest or encourage them to, to come along. But there's very few people at the meetings that have actually been on a drugs trial, so we need to encourage people with positive voices to go and speak to branches as well. We need evangelists. Well, it's a good uh, note on which to uh, wind up, David. Thank you very much, David Dexter from Parkinson's UK. Uh, before we go, any, any other business? Anybody want to rant about something? Well, I just have a say about n- not so high tech, but old, uh, you know, like more traditional tech that I think needs adapting. Like, just I find it really difficult to use an iPhone these days. Not impossible, yes. but... Bigger buttons will be useful on all phones, stuff like that. I've read about people having difficulty getting into their own house because of keys. So I think we need to look at old tech sometime as well. Yeah, even the pill boxes and, and popping the pills oh, out, yeah. of, out of the, the packaging is incredibly difficult. So Parkinson's UK does have a, a whole catalogue of devices. I mean, in fact, they were there at the Gloucester meeting yesterday. And one of them is, is one of those devices to take your pills out of those oh. foil things. I tell you, the device... And there's another device that helps you put your key in the door. So there's oh. a whole list is, of devices. Is there a device that helps you put your trousers on? Because <laughs> I always find the second leg... That was, that was the reason I came, I came along to all these original meetings. <laughs> Just to know how to put your trousers on. You claimed that you had met someone who'd invented a device for putting your trousers on. Wallace and Gromit. Had I? Yeah. Oh, God, memory losses. (laughs) (laughs) It was socks, actually. It was socks. It was... was, was, Oh, there was something, yes. Yes, there is. You can train your dog to do it, apparently. My wife is promising to train our dog to put my socks on. Yes. Or there are husbands. You've been listening to Movers and Shakers with me, Rory Catherine-Jones, and my friends Gillian Lacey-Solomar, Mark Mardell, Paul Mayhew-Archer, Nicholas Mostyn and Jeremy Paxman. The show is produced by Nick Hilton for Poddo. Our theme music is by Alex Stobbs and cover artwork by Till Lukat. Thanks again to Boardwave for their support. Please subscribe to get new episodes straight into your podcast app and do rate and review if you've enjoyed the show. We're also on Twitter, at MoversAnd6, that's Movers and the number six. So please share the show there, and email any thoughts or questions to feedback at moversandshakerspodcast.com. See you next week. <laughs>